welcome to the Stalk Under Mythics podcast with your hosts, Donnie and Rob. We're here to help you thrive in a world of big data and complex analytics. Welcome to the Stop Endomythics podcast. We hope you're having a, a really good week. Hope everybody's staying happy and staying healthy. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, roundabouts or traffic circles. And um, I'm going to admit that I was wrong. Uh, as we talked about in the last episode, a lot of times it is uh, difficult to update your beliefs based on new information. And I just wanted to highlight one time where um, this actually happened for me, and it happened for me not too long ago. Uh, one thing I will tell you, though, is there's something that happened that crushed the communication backbone of the small town that I live in. And so the Internet's been a little bit squirrely over the past couple of weeks. And so uh, in trying to record an episode with good quality, we've had a little bit of a delay. Uh, but also, even in this episode, even when we did record, there's still a little bit of voice pixelation. So we apologize for that. And my hope is that that clears up over the next few weeks. But uh, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy as we talk about um, when I was wrong. All right, Rob, how are you doing this week? Welcome back to the podcast. It's good to see you again. Hope things are going well. Everything going well? Things are going well here, Donnie. How about you? Good, good. So uh, any big news this week? Anything exciting happen? No, not a no. darn thing here. Not How about you? Um, quiet. I did have a chance to uh, sort of think about our podcast from last week. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to tune in last week, we, we talked about motivated reasoning. And, um, you know, one of the really strong um, desires we have in life as human beings is to be right, that we only keep beliefs that we believe are right. And you know, a lot of times it's really difficult to say um, that we're wrong or admit we're wrong, even when we're faced with information that actually um, is contrary to what we believe. And so um, this week, Rob, I want to confess something to you. I want to confess a time um, when I was wrong. Nice. Well, I've been to confession many times in my life. It'll be nice to sit on the other side and, and hear something, <laughs> hear a confession for one. So bring it on, man. All right. So we live in the same area. And, um, you know, I think both of us are familiar with this exit uh, or sort of intersection uh, between 96 and 98 uh, here in the middle of North Carolina. And uh, you've been here long enough to know that for a long time there was a red light there. Um, and the problem was, is the area has grown so much that um, in the evenings, really, there would be uh, really long wait times for people trying to get through the red light. And there was always lots of accidents because people were tired of waiting and they're trying to get through and um, and so it was always just a big mess. And, um, so they had to try to figure out to do with what to do with it. And, uh, you probably recognize and have been around there recently and know they turned it into a, a traffic circle. Have you, I'm assuming you've been through there since they turned into a traffic circle. Yep. I remember the light and now it's a roundabout. I do. I do know. So here's the thing I want to confess, Rob. Um, I can literally remember setting in the line to go through the intersection while they were building it. And I can yeah. remember sitting there thinking, like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, you know, what good is a traffic circle going to do? Like, 
there's, it's just not going to do anything. It's going to stop. It's not going to speed it up. It's not going to stop it. Like what, why are they spending my hard earned tax dollars on a traffic circle in a place where it's clearly not going to solve the problem. And right. I this remember in England. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's not just, England. It's going to make it more confusing. This is the country of North Carolina. And why are you putting in roundabouts in the country of yes. North Carolina? Right? Like this is, right. it was a really hot day. And I remember sitting there in that line, just thinking this is the most ridiculous thing that I have, uh, I have ever seen. Um, just curious. Do you have a, an opinion on roundabouts? Well, I, th- I think I'm where you're, where you're going with this is where I'm at. I didn't like them because um, I wasn't used to them. And now now that I've, there are several uh, around where I live and I've kind of, now that I know how to maneuver with, I kind of like them, you know? I, I, I see the benefits of them, but I, I didn't before. A majority of people uh, don't like the idea. They don't, they don't like the roundabout. But if you look after the roundabout is installed and you go back and you survey the same group of people, um, a majority of them then like the roundabout. And, and that's the, the thing that I find fascinating and the place where I want to admit I was wrong. Um, I go through that intersection on a regular basis now because uh, we moved and happens to be on uh, our path to several different things that we go to. And so we end up going through it on a pretty regular basis. And, and lo and behold, a couple things have happened. Number one, I've not seen an accident at the intersection since they installed the roundabout. And number two, um, I hate to admit it, but even during the rush hour, it's faster. There, there's a lot less delay. And uh, when you go through there and it's not rush hour, actually, it turns out that uh, it's just faster in that time period as well. So you don't have to ever sit there and and wait on the red light. So if you happen to catch it when it was green, maybe it's a little bit slower. But uh, if you happen to catch it when it's red, it's certainly a lot faster because you never end up stopping. And so um, in that particular situation, 100 percent, I want to admit I was wrong. And uh, now I've seen it in action. I can say it is actually one of the best investments I've seen. Uh, made in that area over the past couple of decades. So um, let's uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the evidence for and the way that analytics in this case actually can help you to see, or at least help me to see the benefits of how roundabouts work. All right. Sounds good. See you on the other side. All right, Rob. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, roundabouts. First of all, I have to say that um, you know, in this particular situation, this is a, is a pretty common um, psychological process that I experience. And so, the only place I'd ever seen roundabouts before uh, they put this roundabout in this intersection, the only place I'd ever seen them was in uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, which is a little vacation area um, where they put a bunch of roundabouts in and. Um, we would go down there on vacation. Uh, we used to go every year. And uh, when I go up to the roundabouts, I didn't really know exactly how to, you know, enter them or exit them. And there was two <laughs> lanes and it yeah. just felt like things were going in circles and it felt stressful. And, you know, I just, uh, I really didn't look forward to the experience and I didn't see the benefit of the roundabouts. And so, um, number one, I had very little experience or exposure to roundabouts prior uh, to that roundabout being put in. Um, now, where you where you came from before this, uh, out in California, were there a lot of roundabouts? No, there were none. And then I remember vividly my first one. I was on I was on vacation in a rental car, and I had instead of a phone, which we're going back a few years, I had like a Garmin GPS uh-huh. <laughs> thing. I, yeah. You know. yeah, remember they used to sell GPSs by yes. themselves? I had one. I bought one. I had one. So I had it in yeah. the car. 
And I know that where I'm going, I have to, you know, and however many yards I'm going to have to make a left. I can see it on the map. I'm going to have to make a left. Well, as I'm getting closer, this thing says, come up here and take the third right, you know, go Uh. in the roundabout and (laughs) take the third right to go. And I'm thinking, how am I taking a right? I need to go left. I know I'm looking at a map. I need to go left. And it says, take the third right. You can imagine what I did with that. So yeah, yeah, no sense to me. And so when I was learning how to drive, there there were none, and so I didn't have any experience. And so there was no instruction manual when I when I went to Hilton Head. There was no little booklet they gave out that said, "By the way, yeah, we know we, you're not used to, <laughs> we know we you're not used roundabouts. to roundabouts." <laughs> and here's how you go in. Here's how you go out. And when your uh, when your uh, um, uh, GPS tells you to take the third right, it really just means go around and then exit on the third the third one. So yeah. Um, it was always uh, always a bit of a, of a tension spot for me, and so um, I've been to a million different um, intersections, and uh, unfortunately, I've seen lots of really bad accidents at intersections. I have, uh, you know, been behind a guy who get hit, got hit on a motorcycle and watched him fly through the air. Um, I've seen cars get t-boned at intersections. Um, when I was uh, in high school, uh, I pulled out in front of a car at an intersection and uh, totaled the car, got spun around, hit my head, did all kinds of bad things, and so. Even though I have experienced the negative side of uh, sort of normal stoplight um, intersections, um, I'm familiar with those intersections. Like it's a known quantity to me, right? Like it's something right. where I'm used to it. I'm familiar with it. Um, even though I've seen the negative side of it, I know it, right? Um, on the other side, when I think about uh, these roundabouts, I'd had those experiences, but they were um, a small number of experiences. It wasn't something I experienced on a daily basis. It was really just, um, you know, on vacation where I'd seen these things. Uh, it still felt stressful. I didn't have enough experience to understand whether it did impact uh, accidents or any of those kinds of things. And so from a processing perspective, um, what I was doing was overweighting that which I am familiar with. I've dealt with these intersections. Therefore, um, it's a known quantity. And what that will generally do is it'll make me underestimate the true risk associated with um, those kinds of intersections. And then conversely, and this is problematic, it will make me overestimate the risk associated with the other kinds of intersections like roundabouts because I'm not familiar with them, right? We tend to we tend to overestimate. When I say we, I mean I tend to overestimate the risk or the downsides of things that we are not familiar with. Yeah, and that's human nature, right? It is. It is human nature. Um, but it's it's one of those things where, again, you know, I like to think that I'm a rational uh, human being, that I go out in the world, and that I experience things, I gather information, I gather data, and I try to make, you know, really rational decisions. But um, these kinds of processes, and this is, again, just another one, motivated reasoning is one, this is just another, the, the way that we assess risk, we are really bad at it. Um, if you think about um, as human beings, we couldn't access historical information about different kinds of intersections and make assessments of what actually happened. All we had to go on was our personal experience. And so because that's true, we tend to really, really put a lot of emphasis on weight on the things that we have experienced as human beings ourselves and discount and look unfavorably and uh, uh, be more risk averse for things that are unfamiliar to us. And so um, I, like everybody else, had the same kind of process. And because of that, on that hot summer day, I was sitting there on that road, um, my mind just essentially, you know, uh, cursing out the folks who are 
responsible <laughs> for making these kinds of decisions because obviously they were making a stupid decision uh, to put this kind of roundabout um, into the traffic circle. Yeah. And we don't like change, right? Right. Yes. We don't like change. Now I will say in that particular case, um, it was clear that intersection, something had to happen. Um, and I don't even, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I don't even know what I thought should have happened. I just thought roundabouts clearly couldn't be, couldn't be <laughs> right. the answer in that right. situation. Um, no, different is not the answer. Anything different is not the answer. Like you look at uh, any, any kind of changes, like, so you see the benefits of that now when you go through that intersection, but any, anything that's different, like look at when your neighborhood first started making you recycle paper and then plastics and like you had to put out another barrel, like all those things, we don't really get to see those benefits of, you know, right. you know, taking up less space in the landfill, all that kind of stuff. But wasn't your knee jerk reaction? Oh, another barrel. Oh, I got to separate this stuff. Like now it's second nature, but change, change is not fun. It is not. It is not. Right. And you're exactly right. It's more ethereal, right? The the benefits of some of these things, it's hard to see. Like, I, I don't sit there at the intersection every day and count the number of accidents or count the number of times there was a wreck or, you know, watch, um, you know, how long it takes people on average to go through. Like, I just I, I don't have the time, energy or effort to set, you know, <laughs> ability to provide that effort to sit there and gather that information on a regular basis. And so I just don't have that as part of my decision making process. Um, when I go to sort of make assessments about what I think the right answer is. And, you know, the other thing I will say from a personal experience that was there as well is just a, um, you know, so I, I don't have the, the and no offense to any particular person who works in these jobs. I, I appreciate everything that they do, um, but I, I don't necessarily have the the highest level of belief in the decision-making of governmental agencies, right? And so, um, I, you know, I, I have a bias um, where I was not giving them the benefit of the doubt that they actually went out, did all of the research, understood the evidence, and were making an informed decision. I assumed they were just trying the latest fad and uh, that it really wasn't going to work and that there was not a lot of data that actually supported it. Oh, and speaking of, so where does the math come in? So like, so just on on what you see, you feel like it's better when you go through there. You 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 kind of know instinctively that things are flowing better. But what does what is the math and what what does data say about roundabouts? So there's a bunch of different things, and um, some of them are obvious. So number one, uh, it does look like um, there's several studies where they've taken intersections that were red lights and they turn them into uh, traffic circles. Um, you do see reductions in wait time, right? And so um, this is across the average of what people have to wait on the intersection across uh, the entire day. You certainly see reductions in the amount of time that people have to wait to get through those kinds of intersections. And, and that's the one that I can experience and feel when I actually go through there during the shower or when I go there, um, you know, any part of the day. But um, there's also really strong evidence. And if you sit down and you start to think about it, you can really start to you know understand the rationality behind this. Like when you go through an intersection, when, when you see a wreck in an intersection, a lot of times what happens is uh, somebody runs a red light, um, somebody pulls out when the light's red, and you know somebody's coming full speed the other direction, or they turn green and they pull out, and somebody doesn't see the lights turn red. But there's two problems with that. The what, number one is that the person um, you know is coming through the intersection is likely coming at full speed. And yeah. so the severity of the collision is actually much stronger 
in those intersections that it isn't a roundabout because at a roundabout, people naturally slow down. So even if you hit someone, you're going to hit them at a slower speed. The other thing that is true is uh, in an intersection, a lot of times if you pull out and, you know, people often call it being T-boned, if you get hit on the side, that's a really bad kind of crash, right? So you yeah. um, you have the the hood of a car essentially going into the driver's side of the car. Not a lot of protection, right? There's not, right. There's not a lot that the car can in order to slow down that impact. And if you think about um, a roundabout, you're at an angle. So even if you do hit someone, A, you're likely going to hit them at a lower speed, but then B, um, you're also not going to hit them um, with the same direct force in the same place that has the least protection. And so um, those two things combined, actually, you see a lot less serious or fatal accidents in places where um, they actually replace those red lights with roundabouts. And they're there's several studies that have done this uh, or sort of uh, shown this. There was a study that where they had the speed limits greater than 40 miles per hour. Um, they changed them over to roundabouts. They saw a 62% reduction in all crashes, 85% reduction in injury crashes. Um, wow. Uh, in the United States, uh, when they switch uh, in general, there's been some studies. There's a Redding et al. and um, Eisenman et al. 2004. Rudigertz 2007, um, Eisenbrands and Hallmark 2012, um, they all show the same thing, that when you switch out um, intersections that have red lights, you see major, I'm talking 75, 80, 80% reductions in crashes. I'm sorry, fatal crashes, particularly or serious crashes. And you see a general sort of 30 to 60% reduction in the number of crashes. So not only does the severity go down, but because people are going at lower speeds, people are paying more attention, um, you actually get uh, fewer accidents in general. So it's sort of the trifecta, right? You get to go through the intersection faster, so you reduce your wait times, number one. Um, Number two, you reduce the number of accidents. And then number three, you actually reduce the severity of the accident, so you dramatically decrease the number of uh, injuries. Wow, those numbers are impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing actually. Like um, yeah. you know, and again, I was wrong, right? Like I I one hundred percent thought that roundabouts were not a good thing. Yeah, and uh, and again, like there there are studies where they've done surveys where that's the general perception in the United States until people experience it, and once they experience it in a place they. Uh, go through on a regular basis, they start to see the benefits, and then it actually switches around the other direction where people start to uh, like and prefer them. And even if they don't understand the reduction in crashes and reduction in severity of crashes, then um, they still appreciate that their wait times go down. And so uh, most people shift in the direction of actually liking the roundabouts. I love it when you bring the data to back it up. So let me ask you, let me ask you a question. So when you when you were sitting there thinking, oh, look, they're going to put this in. This is a bad idea. Did you do any like analytical thinking, any deep thinking? Or was that all instinctive? Just what are they doing? Roundabout stink. This is a bad Uh, idea. Yeah. And it was all instinctive. But um, then I started uh, kind of rationalizing why this wouldn't work. And so, you know, I started thinking, well, it's not going to work in general, but then the other problem that people are going to have is nobody has experience with these things. And so there's a learning curve with, uh, you know, different um, interactions that we have with the world. And so people are going to have lots of accidents early on. It's not going to, and it's going to just be a big mess and it's going to cause people to get all upset and, you know, all those kinds of things. But it was not an analytic process. It was more yeah. of having a belief and then trying to, um, you know, further my belief by figuring out ways uh, that I was actually right. 
So it was confirmation bias without confirming. It was like self-confirmation bias. Like I'm right. And I'm going to tell you why I'm right without any deep thinking. Without any deep thinking, without any data, without any information, without any knowledge. And with an assumption of negative um, sort of uh, intentions or negative process on the behalf of the people who decided to put it there. Right. Like I, you know, I was not granting them any kind of expertise or authority or even sort of uh, positive intentions and in, in actually uh, putting this thing in place. Okay. So thank you for your confession. Now, my son, your penance is uh-huh. you get to, I want you to go to that roundabout. Okay. And I, <laughs> I want you to stand yeah. there for four hours with a sign that says North Carolina department of transportation. I was wrong. And you get to stand there all day. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's, I'll do that. I will do that. I was wrong. Yeah, well, but the fascinating thing too to, to me is just my own experience. I, I like so even that day, and I, I can remember just sitting there baking in the sun and thinking all these things. I didn't go any do any research. I didn't go no. check it out. I didn't. I just I held that opinion for the longest time. Yes, because you're right. Of course, you're right. Because I'm right. And yes. when did when did I start to notice that maybe I was wrong? Was when I experienced that cognitive. When I would come through there during rush hour or during the day and I would get through there quick and I wouldn't have to wait, I started to think, wait a minute, that's that's not what I thought was going to happen. And, um, you know, again, I, I don't want to minimize how difficult it is in other situations. This is not something that I held as part of my identity. Like, I don't I don't view myself as a uh, pro stoplight person. Right. I, I don't I don't <laughs> anti roundabout. <laughs> That's not how I, uh, you know, my Facebook page does not say, you know, father, husband, and anti-roundabout activist, oh, right? It's that's just, too bad. You know, it's just, it's just not something I do. But even in the situation, like I, I went through those same processes, right? Like I had an opinion, I had a belief, um, and I went about trying to figure out why it was right and how to, yes. you know, how to keep it. And it wasn't until I was faced with very specific experiential evidence um, that I began to really think about it. And that's when I actually just went around and started dueling around a little bit and trying to figure out, you know, what was the real uh, data behind the situation. And so it took that cognitive dissonance. um, But in this situation, it wasn't something that was part of my identity. So it didn't take so much cognitive dissonance. It just took enough to say, Hey, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm off on this. And so let me go, uh, let me go check it out. Let me go see what kind of data and information supporting these kinds of decisions. And when I started to do that, um, it became pretty clear that there's some pretty compelling and convincing evidence. And this is, you know, this, this particular intersection is a uh, one laner. And the ones that I experienced in South Carolina were the two lane kind where you have, you know, the inside lane where you go around and then you exit out of that lane. And whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. <laughs> Getting worse. I, 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 had, whoa, whoa. I have had enough trouble with the one lane. There's a two lane. <laughs> there are. There are lots of them, oh, actually. God, yeah. no. And so, um, but it actually turns out even in those situations, uh, it's still safer, still saves time, still safer, uh, both from a number of accidents, but also in terms of severity of accidents. And so, you know, all those experiences, um, looking and trying to figure out how to rationalize it, it wasn't until I had enough cognitive dissonance in my own experience in order to go out and do the research that I started to understand and sort of see some of this compelling evidence and be like, you know what? Perhaps, maybe in this situation, I am wrong, and I should admit this, and I should update my uh, understanding of the world and my beliefs about roundabouts, and maybe I should update my understanding and beliefs about the people who are making these kinds of decisions within the government 
agencies that are in charge. Wow. This is impressive. This is awesome. My favorite three words. I was wrong. Yep. And in this case, I was way wrong. Not only was I a little bit wrong, I was just way wrong. But um, like we talked about in the last episode, the guy who, uh, you know, on the uh, forum, the uh, community forum, you had basically come back with, uh, you know, my numbers are right. You have to be wrong. I would have been that guy in this situation if somebody said to me, no, uh, you know, there's lots of evidence supporting roundabouts. I would have said, no, there's not. I've been to a roundabout and they're horrible. I don't like, you know, like I would have done the same thing. And so. Um, all, all that to say, I was wrong. Um, I am admitting I was wrong. I have updated my beliefs based on uh, actual data and information, uh, based on the analytics, uh, even if it's somewhat uncomfortable for me um, to actually be able to update that. And again, don't want to fool anybody. This is not one of those things that was core to my identity. And so, but in this case, it's still difficult. It's still, it still takes, um, you know, some real cognitive dissonance, some differentiation between my belief and the reality I experienced to push me into uh, trying to find out more information about the thing. Um, I'm going to change my uh, Facebook uh, tagline from anti-roundabout to pro-roundabout activist and I'm going to go devote the rest of my life to making sure that the world as a whole understands that roundabouts are the solution. You are a great example, Donnie. Thanks for that. All right, Rob. So again, um, I just want to confess. I just want to say I was wrong. Um, I have opened my mind to a new set of information. I have updated my beliefs based on that new set of information. I'm not going to pretend that was easy. I'm not going to pretend that I didn't have the same cognitive processes and biases running that we talk about on a regular basis. Um, But I am here to confess that I was wrong. I love it. I think that is the basis of what we're trying to do here. So I would love to do further episodes on, on I was wrong. And I would love to hear from listeners, um, whether it be something like blue whale is the largest mammal or roundabouts work. Right. I would love to hear examples of, I was wrong. And especially if anybody can speak to a time when they were wrong about their something core to their identity that would be great so donnie what is that email again it is animythics at gmail.com uh you know feel free to send us an email again if it's about this topic or um, any other topic that you are interested in anything you'd like to hear us talk about um, anything that you've been curious about we will try our best to um, you know do the research and provide information that is as truthful as we can figure out how to make it And uh, if you have an idea for a show or if you want to be on a show, if there's something you want to talk about, definitely reach out and uh, we will get back to you as as soon as we possibly can. And the last thing I just want to leave you with, Rob, is it is freeing. It is freeing to say I am wrong. It uh, is amazing and it is beautiful. And I'm looking forward to saying this on a regular basis. Yeah, so is my wife. Thanks for that. It's like food for your ears.